You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. So welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. Today on the show, we're continuing our mini-series on blockchain gaming. Um, and so we have only one of our trusty co-hosts today, Anton Backman from Play Ventures, and guest Eladia Kovovitz. Yes, got it right. Uh, blockchain consultant. I hope I got it right anyway. Blockchain consultant right. to some uh, some pretty well-known companies. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show today. Hello. Thanks, hello. thanks for having us. So um, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the convergence of blockchain games uh, and the metaverse. Uh, but before we dive in, Elad, we always like to start by asking our guests uh, to tell us a little bit about themselves um, and how they ended up where they are. So really, why are you so bullish on blockchain um, and specifically blockchain in the metaverse? Sure. So um, in my uh, in real life identity, as they call it, I work mm -hmm. as a consultant in the space, uh, which practically uh, speaking practice. means I specialize in ideation and strategy. Mm -hmm. But in terms of content, my niches are metaverse gamification and um, how NFTs connect the two. My superpower in doing so is being able to kind of look at a product or platform in our space and drawing from my experience as a power user, as well as just my existence as part of the fabric of the NFT community, be able to kind of uh, devise ideas and plans that connect to the core value proposition and identity of a project and its um, offering. At night or in my metaverse and NFT space identity, I'm living and breathing the space through my Twitter persona, which shan't be doxxed on air today. Uh, <laughs> but okay. whoever yeah, is intent enough can probably make the connection. Uh, how did I get into blockchain? So in 2018, a childhood friend of mine, Vlad Ginsberg, who happens to be today the CEO of uh, Block Party, one of the NFT um, uh, minting and launch mm -hmm. platforms, he told me, like, look, you have to get into blockchain. I've known you for a long time. This is going to totally be your thing. And uh, I fought it for a long time. I was like, uh, come on. Uh, crypto at the time didn't really interest me per se. So I wasn't one of those people who like have been in Bitcoin since 2012 and then just made the pivot. Um, I got directly into NFTs and my gateway was CryptoKitties, actually, like many in the space before me. I took one look at that and it was just like pff, game changer, literally, because as a longtime gamer, which is one thing about my identity that has not changed over the years, uh, the, the very thought of a technical consensus over the ownership of my digital item just blew me away. And since then, I've been completely obsessed. Uh, when we think about games or literally anything digital before blockchain, right, who had who said what we own and what we don't? It was basically a registry in a centralized authority, right? If you were buying some sort of item in a game, then the game operator said if you own something or not. If you owned a domain, like a .com, for example, ironsource.com, who's to say uh, who you owns that? <laughs> see, see what the... So, 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 so what happens if, um, if you know, if, if uh, uh, well, the the... Authority over that, if I'm not mistaken, is ICANN. ICANN, and, yeah. Um, right. So if ICANN made a mistake or ICANN was hacked, then 
all of a sudden somebody else might own ironsource.com, right? But um, when there's a consensus, a technical consensus over ownership, you've got, let's say, a million or multiple millions of uh, nodes on a network agreeing that you own a specific digital item, I think that makes our digital environments much more uh, real and much more significant. And for me, that's what I found. Uh, that's where I found the main value in blockchain. And I've been uh, obsessed with it personally ever since. Mm. Professionally, just, you know, uh, after I was in it for a while of my own accord and just doing my own thing in there and playing around with all sorts of decentralized apps or dApps as they're called, um, I worked for Upland for a while uh, as their head of community. That was kind of like my baptism of fire. And then I've been uh, consulting privately uh, since 2020, ever since. Got it. Mm. It was an interesting note you brought up on the on the domains and uh, no, but no, but there's there's a funny story relating to to ICANN actually, and or it, it's it's not that funny actually. I think there there was a time when they were really close at having a there was a private equity firm that almost got the .org rights to themselves instead of that nonprofit being in control of them. So so um, I think definitely, obviously the ENS system is kind of an early early version of, of what, what, what might become a bit more ubiquitous going forward. But, but there's definitely some, uh, we, we have a lot of core, core internet infrastructure in the, in the hands of small, small nonprofits somewhere in, somewhere in California, which um, uh, is, is probably going to get shaken up by this as well. Um, right you, you, um, Elad, you've talked quite a bit about kind of like the, the blockchain um, part of things. Um, but let's sort of, um, let's, pivot it's not really a pivot right but let's start with the metaverse which is kind of like segway segway thank you um, <laughs> yes, they say she works in marketing um, <laughs> um but i, I want to sort of try and, and bring some order to a sort of potentially complicated topic um this metaverse word gets thrown around all the time especially when you know meta sort of said I still find it weird to call them meta, um, but especially following the rebrand. Um, what does it mean from a technical standpoint? Um, how is it connected to Web 3.0? What does that really mean? And, and really importantly, kind of like, how does that connect with blockchain um, and decentralization, right? Make sense of all of this for us, please. Is that a question to me or to Anton? Oh, no, that's to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So... I get asked this question a lot, and I do have an answer to it, but thinking of maybe going about it differently a little bit this time. So what I first like to do when I'm asked about uh, metaverse, and I'm taking care to pronounce it metaverse, I've been saying metaverse, and I say avatar, and I'm told that I'm a crazy person. So I'm <laughs> trying to be really, uh, and, and this is recorded now, so that's a, a confession on air. It's uh, can't go backwards. Um, anyway, so when I'm asked about metaverse, I like to distinguish between to let's call it versions of it, right? In terms of discourse, are we talking about metaverse with a lowercase m or with a capital case m? I think the met word metaverse gets thrown a lot so much that most people are talking about it with a lowercase m, right? Not a proper noun. That means like every world, whether it's 3D or 2D or it's a game or not a game is being called a metaverse today. And that's fine. People can refer to it that way. We just need to distinguish when we're talking right um, about specific content. Um, so, so that's a separate thing. But when we're talking about metaverse with a capital M, right, this overarching concept, how do we define that? Well, for me, I'm thinking about it like kind of its own, not country or nation per se, but the metaverse is a place. 
It's a place that's conceptual and the borders of which are confined by ideas. So what types of ideas uh, compose the metaverse? Well, um, interoperability, right? Uh, this kind of like uh, uh, interface between digital, physical. Um, it's a place where we spend uh, our time with our digital identities and our avatars, right? As we were saying before. And it's just kind of like this, um, this really like overarching thing. Now, when you have, and I think one of the uh, examples that get tossed around most in terms of just, you know, pop culture is um, Ready Player One, right? So what's going on in that movie is, you know, very much considered to be like where the metaverse is going. Now, when we say, where is it going? Do we want it to go in the direction of that movie? In which case it's a very centralized authority controlling the so-called metaverse. That's what many people are calling the walled garden. And that's kind of like, if you will, uh, what I assume Facebook is proposing to do with um, Meta, right? It's they're in control and they're the boss. They're the sovereignty over that digital conceptual overarching world. Or there's the opposing version of that called the open metaverse. And that has to do with using the power of blockchain, of decentralized digital consensus to take back ownership over the digital realm. So it's an attempt to not relive what happened with Web 2.0, but to actively participate in building and owning um, this virtual environment that we will come to spend much of our time in. That's just kind of like, uh, you know, a, a starting point for us, I think. But uh, did I answer your question or? Y yes, mm. now I have more questions, um, mm. but I think. I, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, oh, wow. I, I think I think I think I agree that there's a obviously the word metaverse is getting thrown thrown around a lot, and and I think as many people as you ask, there's a different definition on what what the metaverse metaverse actually is. But I do think we can maybe synthesize a bit also from your from your answer that it's all it's it's about bringing partly it's about bringing kind of a spatial layer to the existing internet, um, a 3D environment, for example, around it. Uh, I'm not saying it's constrained to a single game or a single virtual world, but kind of, as you said, uh, interoperability between financial services, between develop, developer platforms and the sort of the consumer facing products as well. So probably a part of this and also that's been th uh, th theorized as well is that this could give uh, a stronger use case to AR and VR that have sort of historically been a bit more um, they haven't been growing as fast as, for example, as mobile did when, when smartphones came out and became a ubiquitous gaming platform and just generally to, to access, access apps and, and, and services. But do you think that the metaverse, what Web3 enables, could potentially give us much stronger use case to AR and VR? And how would you see that panning out? Uh, 100%. I think that, you know, in, in a certain respect, it's, it's, it's already getting there. So VR, the whole notion of full immersion right in this uh digital world is just you know um in terms of our sensations which is by the way a very undervalued part of the whole metaverse discussion a lot of people are talking about the technical aspect and you know um and the financial aspect and so on and you know they, they miss one of the most important things and that it's about the feeling right what does it feel like to be in a completely to transcend into like a, a, a this this 
otherworldly environment, if you will, where, you know, we're one foot here and one foot there. And these digital physical interfaces like VR and especially AR, in my personal opinion, uh, have a lot to do with that. So imagine that, you know, um, a few years in the future, and I really mean a few, not too many, like maybe two, in my opinion, when we have AR glasses that are practical, right? So that they don't weigh like five to 10 kilos and uh, they don't cost $5,000. I mean, something that's ubiquitous and that everyone can access. And you're just wearing these glasses that give you an AR overlay, right? It's kind of like a, a physical access to the digital world where all sorts of magical things are happening. You already have platforms like uh, like Superworld and uh, OVR that let you own uh, these kind of like uh, hexagons or octagons uh, of parcels around the world. And you could build experiences on those parcels that you have to like physically be in that place in order to access. So it's kind of like this elevated access into the metaverse that you get through AR, which could end up being just a day-to-day thing uh, when the hardware is able to catch up and uh, support it. So that's that's how I see it becoming you know, more a part of our lives, it's actually has a lot to do with uh, the hardware angle, which we know, you know, sometimes when things get disruptive, it's just like, you know, what happened before Bluetooth? What happened before broadband? It's like, we don't even remember it, right? It just all of a sudden came to be and, uh, and, and, and that was that and it changed the world. So I do think that both AR and VR will have um, um, a lot to do with it. But I also want to mention just for a second, just to give us a little more uh, food for thought for discussion that a lot of the metaverse, and I hope I'm not, you know, uh, jumping the gun here with perhaps one of the questions, but um, were we going to talk about, you know, how they collide specifically and uh, that Imagine maybe I'll, I'll save it for gaming? Yeah. Yes, we are. But you okay, can jump okay. there if you want. Oh, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be patient. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but maybe uh, I'll, t- I'll toss it back to, uh, back to Anton, maybe, you know, on, on the AR and the VR topic, because I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there's usually, especially in, in crypto, it's been this discussion for a long time, that when the infrastructure is in place, then the applications will also be there. Uh, and um, I'm not necessarily 100% on, on that opinion. I do think that content drives infrastructure. It's the, it's the content that kind of pushes the limit of existing infrastructure that creates the new needs. And that that's what is showing to also the tool, tool and tech providers what what they need to build. Same thing is, I think, happening right now. If we look at typical blockchain gaming companies right now, their data stack is still quite rudimentary compared to a state-of-the-art free-to-play, uh, free-to-play games company. That there's there are a lot of established routes on how this stuff works out, but obviously we're seeing a lot of value that also being created on the Web three side with Web three companies and products really understanding their users, uh, and um, also just from a protocol level up to the up, up to the application layer as well. Uh, and um, those end end user products are the ones that are going to drive what happens next with the infrastructure. And I think mm-hmm. that's also what Web3 could enable that if, let's say, we have a virtual world where you could bring your VR avatars or AR avatars uh, that you essentially have, 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 stronger feeling, have stronger feelings about than you maybe previously had, as everything is happening on a, on a shared canvas, as you mentioned, uh, then I think that's probably the thing that's going to push VR hardware also to the next step and AR hardware to the next step as we start finding a bit more concrete uh, end user use cases than than sort of these very demo-like 
AR games and VR games, but actual end user experience people want to want to use. Well, like a like a chicken and egg, right? Hmm. Like which one of them is is going to come first? Let's let's actually jump. Let's bridge to talking about kind of like because that's the main focus of of the of the episode is kind of like how do these two very buzzy things collide, right? Metaverse and kind of like blockchain gaming. Um, what does that look like? How does it work? Um, is a sort of is the metaverse sort of like the apex expression of of a blockchain game or is it a um sort of like another potential channel or platform medium oh god even knows world (laughs) (laughs) something in there yeah that's that Um, is for you elad okay i'll kick us off so I think that apex is a is a very interesting word, right? I think that if anything, the metaverse is the apex of our digital existence. I think that that's what it strives to be, yeah? But where does gaming, you know, take a place in all of that? I think that it's not so different from where gaming takes a place in our lives right now. It's kind of evolved into the new social network, yeah? Now, traditionally, when you are on social networks, what identity would you use? You would, well, you know, uh, um, you know, you, you, you had your in real life identity and usually on, if you were on Facebook or Instagram or um, et cetera, oftentimes you would just use your real name, right? And your real identity. And, and that's what connected all of these things for you. But with gaming and with the metaverse and in general with everything that's been going on, we see something that's kind of like taken a different spin. And that's that, it's become not only okay, but acceptable and even encouraged to perhaps have multiple identities, right? You're still the same person. It's still your same self, capital S, yeah? But you express your self, capital S, in various places, various platforms, various worlds, if you will, in different ways. Uh, And uh, digitally and visually speaking, that can also be with different avatars. So this concept that we're not talking about is actually called, uh, if I'm not mistaken, self-sovereign identity, SSI. And self-sovereign identity asks the question, in these digital worlds, who am I? Yeah, it actually strives to give you control, right, as uh, an entity over multiple identities that you can use in multiple worlds. And I think that that's something that's especially um, enabled using the blockchain and that it affects how we will maneuver the metaverse and also games because what we're you know the connecting factor here is that we're using our wallets or our blockchains uh etc as kind of like a single sign-on for um you know these various <laughs> um things that we're logging into whether it's the overarching experience right the metaverse or games within them and our wallet is our one connecting factor, right? That's how we identify ourselves as an entity, even though we can express it as multiple identities. So I think the blockchain becomes this universal underlying connector of the metaverse and the games um, that we participate in. Not so different from uh, Google login or Apple ID, right? Where you use it to log into all sorts of you know real identity things, but you also have, let's say, an Apple, the game center, um, or all sorts of games that you log into with that, and then you have a different alias there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about that? Anton. <laughs> blockchain and game, um, blockchain and gaming. <laughs> blockchain gaming and the metaverse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I think 
going back to a last previous point also about this um metaverse with a lowercase m and metaverse with a with a capital mm-hmm. m i think we're seeing a lot thrown around especially in the lowercase m uh as, as a lot was saying that i think there's some we view these virtual we equate virtual worlds currently 3d virtual worlds with with metaverses and i'm not sure if we should be talking about metaverses in in, in plural, plural but but it's, i think it's still up for debate it, it's still kind of however you please on, on on looking at it in terms of i maybe wouldn't view a game as a metaverse i think games are part of they're probably going to be a part of the ex- different experiences you can find in the metaverse uh, and they in hand they just connect to it as as, as as a part of it so so you might be you might be just hanging out with your friends it's a it's a payment layer for different things you do uh, but then games just being kind of a part of the palette of different experiences that you have in the metaverse uh, a bit similar to what you would see in, uh, in 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 ready player one except for not being controlled by mega corporation but but it's um for game developers if- i think the w- why it makes sense for them is that again similar to now nfts giving digital items uh, a shared standard a shared technical standard uh, for interoperability uh, that extends to a much broader kind of shared canvas for anyone to develop on uh, and that doesn't mean that by sort of automatically that hey if i have an asset in this game i'm going to bring it to this game because i mean it still doesn't solve the question for who's going to model the 3, 3d item for the other game as well and just have it generally accepted there but by building on different layer ones and layer twos currently uh, such as solana or, or polygon or or i mean even even ethereum or, or, or some some of the other bigger ones wh- what you're getting from developing on top of that is is a kind of a, a shared platform with a host of other apps a host of other platforms where the switching costs of hopping between different products is much lower than in the traditional world where everything acts more of as a as a walled garden but um it'll take time for that to take shape uh if we look at the blockchain gaming landscape right now i think it's still very reminiscent of of a bunch of small uh, small walled gardens even though they would be on a shared canvas such as polygon or, or solana or any of the other ones and there is a big interesting kind of upselling your own content to players and not maybe out, not allowing players for example to bring content from other products uh, in in there and obviously if you look at blockchain gaming companies even though the economies would be running on chain a significant amount of the code and the game itself still runs on the game company's own servers uh, which from a practical standpoint is just just important right now because they want to main, maintain control of what's happening in the game but gradually i look at this more from a perspective of uh, kind of progressive decentralization uh, that, that um, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a lot of trials and testing that's going to happen. But the first step these companies are now taking is just generally giving a bit more freedom and a bit more, a bit better sense of ownership to, to players uh, in the metaverse about, about the stuff they, they earn within the games and the stuff they own within the games. I, uh, j- just a, a follow-up note on that, that uh, for everybody listening, for if we if we want to avoid a situation like Ready Player One, right? This is something that people need to actively participate in and take part in. You know, reclaiming their ownership of digital goods and digital identity. It's not something that's necessarily uh, going to be done for them, right? So, um, I encourage everybody that's listening. 
if you're interested in not reliving right uh, a situation like that, then uh, to to read up about Web 3.0 and about how you know uh, ownership of digital goods and uh, virtual environments work, and um, to to take part in it and to participate. What do you think, Alad? Will will Meta build the oasis of our time? Will they or build will the they oasis? They, oh, a hundred percent, they will try, right? I mean, in the business sense, why wouldn't they? Yeah, if we're going to be totally candid about it, what, what would we do? <laughs> but uh, I, I'd like to think that we'd, you know, operate in a different way if we were in that stance. But you know, when you when you reach that level of power, who knows? It's so um, it's so corrupting. Mm. But um, but really, yes, of course they're going to try, and and they're certainly going to do it. And I think that many people are going to participate in that because the notion of self sovereignty, right? Of taking ownership over your own stuff. That also means that you're also accountable over yourself, doesn't it? And I think that that um, you know some people that, um, that that they fear that you know that 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 scares them a little bit because is that not so different from from the situations that we live in just in our day to day lives? Uh, if you think about a Western democracy, right? When we live in a sovereign state, uh, you know we get order and we get. Um, some entity that's accountable and that we can turn to and complain. But what do we sacrifice for that? We sacrifice a lot of our privacy, right? A lot of uh, certain basic fundamental rights or um, a little bit of it, at least in exchange for that thing that the sovereign uh, gives us, as opposed to being in a place where we're all, we all have to agree by technical consensus in order to make something happen. That actually goes to the notion of what's known as um, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, which I think you guys spoke about briefly on um, on, on the first episode of uh, of the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, this season. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it's um, it's it's quite interesting. But um, yeah, are there um, <laughs> are there good examples of blockchain games in the meta in a metaverse? Uh, right now that you can point to? Ooh, okay. This is a really interesting one, right? Because there are several opposing school of thoughts about blockchain-powered games, if you want to call it that. And the two main opposing ones are what needs to come first, the blockchain or the game? You have lots of platforms right now that are proposing to be blockchain games, but there is no game to be heard of in this game. Uh, It's just basically... A glorified uh, DeFi staking protocol or something, and you stake something, and you get something, and you sell something, and that's the game pretty much. Um, I'm on the opposite side of that coin, where I'm saying I need to have some sort of game game first, and um, the blockchain should be something that provides extra value for that. So in terms of games that fall into my category, in my school of thought, I would say ones that come to mind are Blanco's, um, which many would say, and I would have to agree, um, is very strong on the game element, but less so on the blockchain side of things and the digital ownership. Um, but like Anton said, everything is a work in progress, right? We're still very early. Um, I think that whatever Ubisoft has going on, that's also, in my personal opinion, the appropriate use of blockchain. And this is actually quite ironic, right? Because they got the most backlash for uh integrating blockchain into their games but um but that's the proper way to do it it's it's by taking an actual game and providing um really digital ownership over it i think that uh axie infinity comes in to that equation as well um as well as several games that are currently in development like um uh, illuvium uh chain monsters 
and uh, I'm, I'm sure there are a few others that I'm forgetting. There's actually one that's not so well known, but I enjoy it significantly. It's called Reality Clash. And this is a game, uh, it's a first-person shooter that works entirely in AR. It's really, really, really cool. I really encourage people to, uh, to try it out. I have no connection to the company. Um, and, um, and, and, and yeah, and all of the items in that game, all of the power-ups, all of the, um, the virtual stuff, it's, it's all NFTs that are tradable on the marketplace and um, in the open economy. Hmm. Beyond, uh, beyond gaming, um, what do you think sort of are, because, because I think from, let's take even, let's set blockchain aside for a second. I think gaming in the metaverse makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's already an immersive experience. It's very easy to sort of imagine yourself translating sort of being fully in a game versus on your phone um, or, or PC or console, whatever it might be versus um, now I'm going to go into the metaverse to hang out with my friends. It's a little t- like right cognitively it's a little tougher to sort of make that jump what do you think are some of the other sort of um real world use cases um for the metaverse that that's also that are going to drive kind of like that the the economy of the metaverse which presumably will be i assume blockchain based uh it's quite all right so um i i think you were kind of referencing the the virtual economy a little bit right mm-hmm. and um the virtual economy is something that I and my generation, I would say, uh, grew up on, right? It's uh, the idea of buying and selling virtual goods, but we had to do it in a very gray market kind of way because the not the regulation, but the, the, the technical elements of it weren't there, right? We had to depend on centralized authority. Um, when you wanted to like buy and sell game items from World of Warcraft or Counter-Strike, I think, uh, or RuneScape is another popular one, you had to do it through like eBay or something like that. That's the best thing that we had. And of course, you it still required an enormous level of trust, uh, either between you and the opposing party or you and the third party, right, that's mediating. And that usually costs a lot of money or a lot of risk or both. Sometimes no matter what, you still got, you know, the short end of all the sticks. Um, and with with domains, uh, I was a big domain trader in my day as well. Again, you had to, you know, either pay a third party a significant percentage in order to mediate for you. And again, they were just like a centralized authority, so you had to rely on them. Uh, or you had to be like, okay, so you send me the money first, and then I'll transfer you the domain, or vice versa. And it's like, is that really going to happen? You know, <laughs> sometimes there were some bad experiences, and I got burnt myself. And with um, with smart contracts uh, on Ethereum, just for example, today with so many blockchains, but um, that's all trustless, right? The smart contract takes that all away. You have this mechanism; it's pre-programmed and it's launched. Um, in a way that isn't changeable by uh, multiple parties. You can audit it if you know how to read the smart contract. And um, yeah, you know that there's an input and an output, and it just uh, makes everything a lot more kosher, so to speak, uh, and also transparent because all of these transactions are um, viewable. That's uh, The blockchain is known as uh, pseudo-anonymous, right? So you can see what's happening on it. You just don't necessarily know who the parties are. I think I lost track of your question a little bit. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. Um, I, um, I asked about whether, um, kind of like, what are the other, beyond gaming, what are mm. the other real world use cases that are, go- not real world, right? Metaverse use cases that are going to mm. drive the virtual economy, which will, I presume, exist, right? In the metaverse should enable the virtual economy to really kind of take off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, why not the real world? I think that that's, 
what we've been talking about. It's, you know, you've got real world applications that will also boost the virtual economy. For instance, um, one application of using NFTs is for selling actual physical property. Uh, you have multiple platforms right now and people are selling apartments and land using and through NFTs. Why? Um, because why of the are they doing that? Um, just because it's very easy to do. Instead of having to go through multiple authorities and all sorts of situations, you can just transfer someone an NFT that represents ownership of physical goods. And that's happening not just with uh, with property and apartments and land and so on, but also with physical goods um, in general. Uh, that has to do with, for example, so one of the companies uh, uh, that I do work with, one of my clients, um, they produce a protocol for buying and selling physical goods on the blockchain. And, you know, that also goes to uh, support a lot of the cryptocurrency, etc. But um, it's not just that you have pretty much anything and more that you can find in the real world you have in the virtual economy and in the metaverse at this point. Uh, if you want to be um, a builder, for example, right, or an architect, if you want to be a designer, uh, I'm not going to mention art because that's the easy one, right? But mm -hmm. um, uh, if you want to be a, a, a real estate agent, you can do that these days. If you want to be a, a service provider or, I mean, really any of a million things, you want to design clothes, virtual clothes, that's a big one, right? Uh, virtual fashion has become quite huge. You can do it for avatars or you could just do it as, you know, a, a collector's piece uh, in and of its own. Um, there really is no limit to what the virtual world and what the virtual economy can evolve into and the tools that support that um are coming you know at the same time and accordingly so you have platforms where you can use your nfts as collateral for taking out loans did you know that and that's a that's a big thing yeah people that are taking out much significant gonna say i recognize the value in an nft and i'm gonna allow you to borrow against the, it the, the the bank has no part in it think about that it's directly p2p so you have people who want to put their money to work, right? Instead of just uh, having their crypto sit somewhere, mm -hmm. they can give you a loan. You both agree P2P on what the APR is going to be. And the collateral that you use that you put into the smart contract, into escrow, is an NFT. Instead of your jewelry or your house or your car, right? It's an NFT because NFTs now are worth significant amounts of money. Six, seven, eight figures sometimes. Hmm. And as a shameless plug, we're would play where also investors in a, in a protocol called re-NFT where, where the intent is that as it, it's not in the same way as you, you take a loan against the, the NFT, but let's say there's, you own a bunch of game assets represented as, or NFT is represented as game assets in a certain game, but you, you don't want to have those NFTs sitting idle while you're not playing. So you might put those up for rent or for lend to lend them to other players who necessarily don't want to be as invested in the game yet but but we'd like to try it out and sort of rent those out and i think obviously they all they're also looking outside of gaming so for example renting out domain names as nfts or or um other collectibles pieces of art uh, etc et but um but there is um th there are a bunch of, of, of use cases up and coming for for nfts as as more as as, as more usage is um spurred let, 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 let's use that, you know, just to kind of like uh, tie a, a pretty bow on it. Uh, so yeah. let's let's just use that anecdote as an example. We really want to blur the lines, okay? Um, Melissa, you want a loan for a new apartment or a new house, okay? Yes. To get it, what do you do? 
you log into any one of multiple metaverse lowercase m platforms. Mm -hmm. Okay, So just a virtual 3D world of some sort. And with your avatar, which is the digital representation of your actual self, right, capital S, um, you walk over to a building inside one of these worlds and you use one of your NFTs as collateral to take a loan directly in the world. You Does get the that loan. Do I buy an apartment in the world or do I buy an no, apartment? No, 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 no. You, you, get, you get crypto, okay? You get some sort of coin for mm-hmm. uh, as part of that loan, which you can cash out and buy a real world house with. And people have done that. This is, this is happening already without the 3D world part, but just using these various platforms, right? Using their uh, NFTs as collateral to, to improve their in real life experiences. Um, that's one version of it. Here's an alternative version, okay? You want to go to the same structure, but instead of a fully immersed 3D environment, okay, we're going to do it in AR. So you've got your AR glasses now, which everyone is wearing because we're two years in the future, okay? And uh, you know that around the corner from you, on um, what in real life is a vacant lot, when you approach it with your AR glasses, there's a full building on there, the same building that your avatar would have approached inside one of these worlds. And just using the AR experience, you can perform the exact same actions. Go there, click some things with your hands, right? Because the AR is sensing everything. You, 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 you select from this menu that shows you your, uh, your kind of like uh, backpack or your utility pack. You're like, I choose this NFT, put it in this place, use it as uh, collateral. And then it shows you in AR, ding, 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 right? That you're getting coins into your bank account that you can then go to, I don't know, let's say a physical ATM or something and actually cash out. Did I buy the empty you, lot? You, 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 you asked for Metaverse. No, you didn't buy the empty You can if you want to. Do you want to start your own business there? <laughs> I want to work in an independent bookshop. Excellent. Excellent. So, so, so let me set you up with, um, with a, a virtual real estate agent. And by that, I mean that the real estate is virtual, not the agent. And uh, they will help you buy your first piece of property. Then we can get you um, a builder that's going to build the AR or the actual world experience on it for you, scripted and connected to one of the blockchain platforms. And uh, there you go. There's your, there's your book business. What do you that's think? That's it, guys. Handing in my notice. <laughs> Can open my independent bookstore on the metaverse. Um, so we only have, I mean, we're kind of a little over time already. So last, last question. It's a small one. Is the metaverse already here? Yes. Okay. But, okay. but, but it's, we don't recognize it yet. And I'm just going to, to, to recap my bit, right, and, and, and finish off my end uh, uh, nicely, I'm going to go back to what Anton was saying um, earlier, and I'm going to uh, just politely disagree with what we were talking about regarding the notion of what brings what. Does infrastructure bring ideas and concepts and demand for all sorts of things or is it vice versa do the things do the ideas do the notions come first and then the infrastructure comes to support it i think that sometimes no matter how imaginative we might be until the infrastructure uh you know you can ideate about infrastructure but until it arrives and until you're able to play with it then 
the majority are not able to yet realize the power of, of what's been invented. And I think it would have been hard, for example, to conceive, you know, that we'd have Netflix and streaming, etc., before we had broadband. And in the same sense, many of the decentralized applications and everything that's going on, the evolution of the metaverse and Web3, we would have been hard pressed to really ideate practical applications for that that weren't just in theory before we actually had the blockchain. So I think that in the same sense, at least in my opinion, um, the metaverse is here, but until we have more infrastructure to support it, a lot of our ideas are just notions that I think will form practical, concrete representations of themselves as the infrastructure comes to support it. So is it here? Yes, but very, very early, it's very hard to identify. So we don't have much practicality in it. That's, uh, I, I hope I articul articulated that properly. I mean, I, I think soundbite of this uh, is probably, yes, it's here, but we don't recognize it yet. Um, well. So thank, <laughs> thank you both um, for this very interesting podcast. All I can think about is my independent bookstore right now. Um, uh, I'm thinking about so, it too. Yeah, loop us yeah. in. Um, so, uh, so yes, thank you. It's been super interesting. Um, hopefully it has been also for everyone listening um, and continue to tune in as we continue to tackle this topic. Um, it will probably be a little bit less metaverse, a little bit more blockchain gaming since that's supposed to be our theme um, over the next few episodes. <laughs>